Hey, welcome back to Lucid. It's a podcast in which two dreamers tell you about dreams and listen to yours so your friends don't have to. I'm Micah Sargent, and I'm joined here in Big Dream City with my co-host, Tori Folk. Hi, Tori. Hail and well met, Micah. <laughs> hail and well met? Yes, hail and well met. <laughs> sure. How are you? I'm doing well, except now I think I have to talk like a well. I'm doing well in Big Dream City. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy to hear it clearly a little loopy uh i maybe i had some some alcohol or some caffeine i don't know something yeah they really mess your sleep up now. <laughs> i've heard about that yeah I, I have a question for you do you find yourself paying more attention to sleep in general now all aspects of sleep sort of when you're consuming things when i practically have a notebook in my mind that's like a matrix and it's like at this point you drink some caffeine and so you know you have this much time before you will <laughs> and like i'll think in the morning okay you had dreams that means you got to rim that means you went through all these stages of sleep <laughs> yeah i actually i have the same thing i will be drinking because i don't really do a lot of caffeine um but i will every once in a while have a green tea and i'm like glancing at the time like is it too late no <laughs> it's not too late all right i'm good and the same thing about lights i've been really enforcing strict rules mostly because what we disgust was so jarring and horrible. It's like, I need my sleep. Um, but yeah, I have. I've been much more focused on it than I was prior. So yeah, I hope that I hope I, like I don't want to have given that uh, stress to the listeners. But at the same time, I do. I like the idea that we're sort of helping yeah. people just be more aware of of their selves and their lives in general through the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, me too. Um, Although I'm not sure if today is going to fall as neatly into that category because we are going to deviate from the science to do something that I think is a little bit maybe mystical and uh, fun. So yeah. we're going to talk about dreams and mythology today. Okay, okay. I'm feeling <laughs> it. I'm feeling it. It's, I, I approach this as if I don't already know this. Did you think I did a good job there? Was that good? Yeah, no, it was really convincing. I was for a second being like, oh, God, no, my God. Okay. <laughs> he didn't okay. take any notes. There's nothing. He knows nothing. I have to do it all. Yeah. So um, this episode, I want to go ahead and start off with a disclaimer because it's going to be sort of laughably incomplete. Like there are so many different belief systems, so many different pantheons, uh, different legends and things like that, that it's very, very difficult to tackle all of dream mythology mm -hmm. in an episode. Um, so I feel like we need to nip that in the bud right away because I know that maybe people will be like, oh, you didn't even touch on this or you didn't even talk about this. Right. Um, and if you have thoughts like that after listening to this, because we may in the future hone in on some of these different cultures, religions, and topics. Um, so if you have really strong thoughts about what we should cover more in depth, you can definitely let us know on yeah. Twitter and on our email. Okay, so are you ready? Are you yeah, ready to get yeah, started? Yeah, are I'm you ready. ready to get into the mystical world of dream? <laughs> I absolutely am. Uh, yeah, what what's sort of like a God's level view of the history of of dreams and mythology? Do we have sort of a, a grand Zeus or Odin-like summary? <laughs> um, yeah, we do. So in general, it's really found that a lot of different cultures um, who have different mythologies and different gods and everything else from, you know, uh, Haitian voodoo to, you know, Japanese beliefs to more Greco-Roman beliefs, uh, everyone sort of sees dreams as 
a lot of the time having significance um, as a way to communicate with spirits or gods or your ancestors that have passed on or as maybe more uh, prophecies um, so that they can sort of divine on what they're going to need to do next or what might happen to them next. Um, those are generally patterns that run throughout a lot of uh, different types of folklore and mythology. And I thought we'd start because this seems to be everyone's favorite pantheon for some reason, at least in my experience, yeah. which, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I thought we'd start with Greco-Roman mythology. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Most most folks have had some exposure to Greco-Roman mythology and uh, have have a basic understanding, I think, of what goes on there. But honestly... I hadn't heard much about, uh, you know, dreams in this outside of the the god of sleep or is, is it the god of sleep? Who's uh, Hypnos? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually learned a bunch of new things, too. Um, we are going to really focus in on the Oneroi, which are either sort of considered to be the gods and demigods that ruled over dreams or the personification of dreams themselves. There are lots of literature, like Greco-Roman literature, that's really, really famous, like the Odyssey and things like that. Um, so many people have their own accounts where they've sort of built upon the existing <laughs> beliefs uh, and written them into their own stories. So it gets a bit jumbled as yeah. to uh, what is the concrete belief. But I mean, as in most religions, I think that they're more descriptive than they are prescriptive. So it's it's like, it makes sense that it would change according to uh, the needs of a culture and what stories that they're telling. So according to Homer, the Oneroi are the dark-winged dark personifications of dreams. So like, sort of like dream spirits, I guess you could say. Um and they emerge each night like a flock of bats is what oh, <laughs> the description says, which sounds very delightful. Um, from a cave in Erebos, which is the land of eternal darkness beyond the rising sun, which all this all sounds very uh, ominous. Um, in the and, house of the rising sun. <laughs> right. So in order to get to the individual sleeper, they would have to pass through one of two different gates and that would sort of affect what sort of dream that it would be. I love that. Um, yeah. So uh, the first gate um, was made of horns, like animal horn, and it was supposed to – any dreams went, that went through that gate were – prophetic dreams, the really, really big dreams that would come to epic heroes and things like that to tell them – you know, something bad was going to happen or to sort of guide them on their journey. So it wasn't like um, a bunch of like French horns with legs. just. <laughs> burp, 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 burp. I don't know if that's how yeah. French horn sounds, to be honest. I just <laughs> imagine this golden, <laughs> this golden gate. Uh, and these dreams are like burp, 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 being led along to the little. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah not they have a soundtrack. OK, so uh, there was that one, which is very important. And then there was another gate that was made of ivory. And through that would pass all of your weird junk dreams that meant absolutely nothing <laughs> and could just be like thrown away. False. This is no. garbage. Go through this ivory, this beautiful ivory gate, you garbage <laughs> dream. Right. Well, and the funny thing is, is that like how what the dreams ended up being is sort of up to interpretations too so somebody might think a dream came through the ivory gate where somebody else might think oh. it came through oh so you could you could have a dream where 
like you you dream that you're a chicken and you you know go and get your your head chopped off and you're running around and you think that that's an ivory junk dream but it turns out that it is the idea that eventually you're going to get a job as a chicken mascot at a fried chicken <laughs> restaurant and someone's going to steal your head and really it was just Odin or sorry not Odin in this case <laughs> Really, it was just Morpheus trying to tell you that this was about to happen. And here you were thinking it was an ivory junk dream. So according to Homer, each dream was sort of its own little entity. Um, but other writers think that the Oneroi refers to like a set of specific gods and goddesses. Okay. Um, because like in lots of pantheons, uh, you know, there's a family tree. It sort of gets all mixed up again, like I said, but it depends on um, – who you're asking, what gods were related to whom, and who birthed sleep, and who birthed whatever. So in Hesiod's Theogony, um, he calls dreams the children uh, because he sees the essential gods of dreaming as children of the goddess Nyx, who was goddess of the night. And she gave birth to many other gods, including Hypnos, who's the god of sleep, and Thanatos, who's the god of death. But the ones mostly concerned with dreaming were Morpheus, Phobator, and Phantasos. Um, and I'm sure that I'm butchering those. <laughs> oh, I'll butcher them a hundred times. <laughs> okay, great. And they all three appeared differently in dreams. They functioned in different ways depending on what the individual is dreaming about. So um, Morpheus is the one that we often hear as being kind of the only god of dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, before that I was researching this, I always just was like, oh, Morpheus dreams. Um, because in pop culture, like Neil Gaiman's Sandman comic books and everything, like he's like king of the dreaming. So it's all his deal. Um, but actually, he was only one of them. Uh, but he takes on the forms of like men or like humans in mm -hmm. dreams generally. Um, and so a lot of people saw him as the dream messenger of the gods. Like, from them, he would deliver whatever sort of message that the gods had to give to the hero or whomever. So he was the one that visions and dreams in general were primarily attributed to. But mm -hmm. then um, his two brothers, uh, Phobator uh, and Phantasos, also brought their own sort of flavor <laughs> to dreams, I guess you could say. So uh, Phobator was considered to be the god of nightmares, um, so he brought you, you know, Spooky. the worst dreams, um, which it makes sense because uh, another interpretation would say that he takes on primarily the form of beasts. And then Phantasos was the god of prophetic and surreal dreams, and he would often take the form of inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. So, it, again, it all depends on your interpretation, which is why this is so difficult to discuss, because yeah. if you might ask one person, it would be, oh, each person rules over a separate type of dream. But if you ask another, it might be, oh, each god is presented differently in the dream. So, you know, there might be... And then the third person is like, Morpheus does it all! <laughs> right, Who right. are these other gods? Right. So there might be, like, some sort of, like, uh, a statuette on a table and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's Fantasos is doing. And then, but then a human walks in and says, hey, listen, um, Hera sent me to tell you this. And, <laughs> you know, that was Morpheus. 
I just had this image of you lucid dreaming and then just <laughs> whipping out a pack of post-it notes and like writing down, okay, this is an M for Morpheus. This is a yeah. PHO for Phobator and you're just sticking post-its all over your Which dream. Which god did you come from? I have to remember. <laughs> I need it for my prophecy. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, again, there are a lot more greco-roman beliefs and lots more stories about dreams but that's sort of the basic overview of who controlled what um and also i thought it was fun that the scientific study of dreams is sometimes referred to as onerology from the onera which i thought was very neat i love whenever things marry cold hard facts and like romantic mythos and things like that there you go okay so would you want to discuss norse beliefs oh you know i would uh (laughs) many people who have heard of the greco-roman mythology have at least in very small parts heard a little bit about norse mythology Mm -hmm. you can say you can shout thor somewhere and most people will be like I know that one. <laughs> uh, that's the one with the hot guy in it, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that movie with that thing. <laughs> no, um, the Norse mythology is is really, I think, some very interesting mythology with dynamic characters. But that's beside the point. Let's talk about dreams. Um, the Norse, like us, I think, I think mm-hmm. we both sort of fit into this. They didn't think that every single dream that you had was, you know, an important dream. So they also <laughs> right. had sort of an ivory uh, junk dream type. A, sor- a sorting system. Yeah, there was a sorting system for your dreams. <laughs> um, yeah. The dreams that ha- that were not important, that were nonsense dreams, they actually called Dreimskrok, and that meant dream nonsense. Love it. And I love that, Dreimskrok. So like when I wake up from a bad dream, I'm just going to be like, yeah, that's some dream nonsense. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yes. An important aspect of Norse understanding of dreams is based around a belief that they held in life, which is that when you are born, your mm-hmm. whole life is already written sort of by the fates. It is already there. If you were uh, a god being, then you could just read through and see all the things that were going to happen to you. Right. And so because of that, then your your dreams could potentially give you insight into things that would happen in the future. Gotcha. And one of the, the cases of that would be uh, their gods. Their gods dreamt as well. It wasn't just them. And Balder, of course, he is the son of Odin and Frigg, who is Odin's mm-hmm. wife and the queen of the gods. Um, he had you know, dreams warning that he was going to die. And that was long before it ever happened. So the gods can dream, humans can dream, those dreams can spell out things um, that, that you know, per- perhaps provide warning for your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is interesting is that dreams were not necessarily just like, yeah, here's where you're going to die and when you're going to die. <laughs> but they could also oh, be... <laughs> They could also be messages. Um, basically, dreams were a way for ordinary folks to communicate with mystical beings. And so that could be elves, that could be like tree spirits, it could be gods themselves. And in right. fact, if in a dream, someone was spouting some poetry at you, like, <laughs> I imagine dreaming like a slam poet up there saying some great stuff. Spitting Turns out, mad bars. Spitting mad bars, exactly. Or mad bards. Um, oh. They- <laughs> oh, thank you. That is the, all that joke deserved. It's true. 
uh, it was potentially a message from a god because poetry was a gift from Odin, uh, as, as the Norse believed. Oh, um, and then I'll tell a little story. And Tori, we both uh, found this story, and I think it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So there's this person named Bjorn, and Bjorn met with a land spirit one night in a dream, and Bjorn was like, yo, yo, yo. Or sorry, no, let me try that again. The land spirit was like, yo, 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 I could help you out with some stuff. And so Bjorn, I assume, would accept, because probably saying no would be a bad thing. You might offend the (laughs) land spirit. Yeah. Uh, well, a strange billy goat suddenly became a part of Bjorn's little goat herd. You know, he was herding around goats. He was like a shepherd. And that year, his goats were were getting it on all the friggin' time, giving birth <laughs> to so many kids, all because of this mysterious billy goat that oh came in gosh. and was like, let me spread my love among you all. This is great. And so mm. he made like a bunch of money, old Bjorn. And he ended up getting the nickname <laughs> Goat Bjorn, which is just <laughs> delightful. Uh, and apparently, uh, those who were able to see mystical beings could... You know, look upon Bjorn, look upon goat, goat Bjorn, look <laughs> upon goat Bjorn and see that there was a large group of spirits following uh, him around wherever he Interesting. went. Interesting. He became famous among the spirits. That's yes. wonderful. Yeah. All because of a dream and communicating with them. So, you know, that's another place again where we see, uh, Time and time again, across all, it seems, mythology and culture, dreams in this this big dream city space <laughs> are the place for us to reach out to uh, things that we can't in, in normal day-to-day life. Awesome. What do you got for us next? I wanted to touch a little bit on Egyptian mythology and what yes. they sort of felt about dreams. Again, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this today. Um The ancient Egyptians, like many, many other peoples that came up with all of these myths, uh, thought dreams were significant and would discuss interpretations and consult specialists and sort of consider them in their day-to-day life as sometimes prophecy, sometimes a warning, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, What I thought was incredibly fun as a language nerd um, was that sometimes – they would base their dream interpretations on puns or like words with double meanings and things like that. For example, uh, I found a source that said that the words donkey and great uh-huh. were homonyms in uh, the, their language. And so a dream about eating donkey meat meant that you would have good luck at some oh. point in the future because the words sound the same, which I thought was so fun. I love that. So though it is fun, um, they definitely incorporated it as well into their more serious religious practices. Um, some people would go to interpreters that were experts in the sort of like seers and things like that. Um, but some people as well had the option of if you were more a part of the wealthy elite and had access to like different scribes and things like that, um, you might, like we do today, be able to consult a little book that a scribe had compiled about (sighs) dream meanings, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And some of the earliest written records of dream interpretations are are attributed to Egyptian scribes. There's actually a few particular scrolls that now reside in different museums, um, which I think is so cool. That is so awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it shows that from extremely early on, we were interested in sussing out the meanings of our dreams, which I think is very, very cool. Um, and whenever the Egyptian peoples interpreted dreams, sometimes, in a, a lot of the time, it was sort of written as, first of all, whether or not it was a good or bad omen, and then a little bit more detail on the meaning. So, like, a few examples of actual Egyptian dream dictionary <laughs> interpretations. Oh, this is awesome! So they are as follows. So, for instance, if you see yourself dead, that's actually a good omen. It means that in life, you're going to live for a very long time, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Um, if you see yourself eating crocodile flesh, that's a good omen. It means that you will become a high-ranking village official. You know, <laughs> crocodile meat is very good. So I would just be happy with eating crocodile meat. But if I also right. get to become a village official, okay. Yeah, double good omen. Um, if you saw yourself being plunged into cold water, that was also a good omen. In a very like baptismal sort of hmm. way, it meant like an absolution of all of your ills and, you know, things like that you've done and things that were affecting you and things like that. Yeah. So uh, that was a good omen. Um if you dreamed about putting your face down to the ground and like laying your face on the earth, that was a bad omen. That means that the dead want something from you, which I thought was very, Ooh, very that's terrifying. Scary. Oh God, yeah. that's scary. Um, And <laughs> maybe most hilariously, if you dreamed of making love in broad daylight, like full lights on, that was actually a really bad omen because it meant that any misdeeds that you were up to would probably come to light really uh. soon because you're doing it in the daytime. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine waking up from that dream like, oh, I feel so exposed. <laughs> I know. And it's doubly bad because not only are you exposed in the dream you're gonna be exposed in real life according to these interpretations. that peach i stole at the market the other day everyone's gonna find out <laughs> in hindsight i sort of wish we would have played that as like a little trivia game where i tried to guess if it was a good omen or a bad omen because oh, that's so they're so tough to to figure out we'll have to maybe include some of that in future episodes if we go into Absolutely. depth on egyptian mythology I would love that. I want to hear more okay. about this in early interpretation at some point. I know. There actually, I found a couple of good resources that sort of quote little bits of these Excellent. papyri. So I'm very into looking further into that in the future. All right. What else have we got mythology wise? <sighs> well, we are we are running uh, running out of time here on on the front end of things. So I want to because uh, we want to get to nightmares right quick. But before we get to nightmares, uh, let's sort of share a couple more myth facts. Myth facts? Yes, let's go with that. Um, <laughs> so. I wanted to talk briefly about uh, Hawaiian beliefs. Oh um, yes, please. Specifically, the the word for dream uh, actually translates to soul sleep, which I think is just a beautiful word. And when they were in this soul sleep, then mm. their soul could communicate with their ancestral guardians. And oh, wow. so this was an opportunity when they were sort of open to this other world where they could receive guidance from the gods, they could receive cures for for ailments, um, they could sort of... Uh, you know, come to Congress with their, their ancestral guardians and get advice on their relationships. Um, and one so of the things amazing. that I, that I really thought was delightful is that there were, uh, performers who would be asleep 
and feel inspired and upon waking up would perform songs and dances that they had received while they were in soul sleep. Oh, wow. Like immediately. Yes. Yeah. So like they wake up and it's like, oh, I got to get this written down and then I got to, you know, do it. I got to play this instrument or I've got to dance and, and show sort of share this with the world. Um, and now there is a, a book that I'm considering purchasing that goes into more depth about Hawaiian beliefs. Uh, the, the dream stuff is more difficult to track down, mm-hmm. but there's some resources out there. So that might be something that we touch on in the future. But I just liked those. It's a very, it's a very just sort of lovely. Yeah. The whole, the imagery of it and like talking with our ancestors and the, you know, the dancing and the singing and the inspiration, all that's just very beautiful. I agree. I really, really love that concept. Um, I really quick want to touch on a little bit of Japanese mythology, just because this is one of those things where I learned it and I felt so like happy in my heart and it like expanded out through my chest and I was like, wow, this is really exciting. I have to go lay down. Um, so <laughs> it like, I don't know why. I just really love this. Um, they have a creature called a Baku. Um, and it's a supernatural being that was created from the spare pieces that were left over after the gods created all of the other animals. Um, and it devours your dreams and nightmares, which I think is so, so, so cool. Um, and it actually, I put this in my notes because I'm awful. Uh, I put drowsy from Pokemon, but big because it is the same concept sort of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> drowsy is a like move drowsy. called dream eater. And it's very like, yeah, it just erases that from your memory, which I think is really cool. And like legend has it that if a person like wakes up from a bad dream, they can call out to this amazing benevolent creature uh, and they'll come into your room and devour your bad dream so that you can go back to sleep peacefully. Ugh. And I was like, God, I'm going to start trying it. Just Yeah, to see. right? I want to wake like, up and call the Baku. Please. Um, but also you have to do it only every once in a while because if he's still hungry after eating your nightmare, he might also eat some good stuff like your hopes and desires. So you oh, have no. to be very careful actually about calling him all of the time. Okay. But so once in only a while, for the worst okay. dream, the worst dreams you have. <laughs> right. Is there anything else? I do want to talk about nightmares. Um, sort of, you know, we like to hear about mythology uh, and and it's sort of a fun spectacle in a way and also an insight into a culture. But we still have nightmares today and they're called yeah, nightmares. How do... <laughs> what, what, what are nightmares? Where do they come from? No, they're not dark, evil horses. Uh, a lot of people think mares are, you know, you think about horses. Well, no, it actually comes from an old English term that is also mare. And it was a creature in Norse mythology, in Germanic mythology, in several different types of mythologies mm-hmm. uh, that would ride on a person's chest while they slept and would often press the life out of them. Oh. And we are going to, in the future, do probably a series of episodes on sleep paralysis. Yes, but absolutely. Most of the base of fear in in dreams and th- this thing that eventually became nightmares actually stems from the phenomena that is sleep paralysis throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. And so this the source of this term that is 
pervasive. There's Swedish mar- mardrome, which is mare dream. There's Norwegian. There's Danish. There's Icelandic. There are all these different languages that have terms that are essentially nightmare or mare dream or night trample, which I think is horrifying. <sighs> that's uh, the Icelandic one, the yes, most metal. <laughs> the most metal, exactly. <laughs> and so that's that's where this term comes from. But there is a little bit of a connection to horses. It's not, you know, they, they weren't putting two and two together there. It's just that a mare is this evil spirit. But um, it said that the nightmares upon sort of creeping from their place would come across horses and they would ride those poor creatures until they were exhausted. And so if you ever found your horse in the morning exhausted and sweaty, it was because a mare came along in the night and rode your horse. Interestingly, everyone sort of seems to disagree on what mares actually are. Uh, okay. this is this is fascinating to me. Most people tend to agree that mares are not this sort of otherworldly being or are not this, you know, uh inherently or or, or like the source of them is not evil. Instead, okay. it is like a it is a a perverted or or sort of twisted being that comes from the escaped soul of actual living beings. So a lot of people thought it was like kids when they go to sleep, their soul is like, I'm going to go be fiendish and have a lot of fun. So their soul would leave their body while they slept and it became a mare. (laughs) I love that. Right. And so almost always they thought, you know, across these different cultures and beliefs, they thought it was a soul or a spirit of an actual living person who was just asleep. So the person, your neighbor sleeping next to you is giving you nightmares. Their, their mare came over and got into your dream and made you oh my think your teeth were falling out. <laughs> now, this I find fascinating too. Uh, mares were believed to be able to influence the physical world. Again, like with the horses, um, they would also, there was this, there's a term called marflator. And again, I'm probably butchering that. Um, <laughs> but it, it's like a rough translation to mare braids. And what that was is in humans and animals, when their hair would become matted, it was thought that a mare had landed on you and it got caught in your hair and it had twisted it up and then matted your hair together. I wake up that way every morning. Oh my God, you're having lots of nightmares. So like you, you find a creature, you find like, uh, you know, cattle or something like that with these huge tufts. They've had a lot of nightmares bothering them. And the same applies for uh, nightmares who touch trees. If, if a tree like seems to grow beneath its expected uh, height and and sort of width and everything like that. If it's growing sort of stunted, uh, and also its branches are all twisted and gnarled, that was because it had been touched by a mare. That's amazing. So they can interact with things that aren't, te- I guess, technically sleeping even. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, okay. So we know about nightmares. Fine. Good. How do I keep them from happening to me? How do I keep these mares away? Well, guess what? There are many ways to keep the mares at bays. Thank goodness. That's how we make that rhyme. Um, <laughs> one of the ways that that many different cultures do it is uh, a blessed totem or token or amulet of some sort. Uh, right. You know, it was blessed by a priest or it was blessed by Tori or Micah, you know, one of us. We can we can help you with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll bless your holy relics. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's one of the services we provide and it'll keep <laughs> the mares at bay. Um, sage, which is a common uh, cleansing. Okay. Right. You know, use in many different beliefs. Uh, you 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 burn some sage in your bedroom, and it cleanses the room of evil. Some people thought that by plugging the uh, keyhole 
in your door back whenever we had skeleton keys <laughs> by plugging your keyhole, the mare could not get in uh, because mares oh, wow. were able to f- slip through the cracks and foundations. They were able to go through holes and walls. You didn't want to have any open stuff. Interesting. Okay. So if you had a really solid exterior, you'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I need my house built for mare prevention, please. <laughs> yes. uh, of course, as you mentioned, the Baku uh, would help keep uh keep things at bay or would actually eat them um Mm -hmm. a dream catcher uh comes from the ancient legend of the spider woman who watched over the people and used these sort of uh spider webs these dream catchers to catch extra dreams and then i really like this there's a guatemalan legend uh of a it's called a worry doll and so you know someone in your family would create these little dolls and you could before you went to bed you just whisper your troubles of the day into the worry doll and the worry doll would take all of your troubles and make you feel light and make you feel you know rested and okay to go to sleep without worrying about any nightmares that's wonderful and then there are two more that i want to touch on um one and this is exactly one of my methods for getting out of sleep paralysis and so this is why like this this is where we see sleep paralysis coming through and uh you know being pervasive across time there is a uh, demon in philippine folklore called the batibat uh it is this creature that lives in wood and when people were cutting down trees and turning those trees into houses then that batibot could not let that person go to sleep. You effed up my house. Uh, yeah. I'm going to not let you sleep ever again. Of course. So when they tried to go to sleep, the batibot, which was this huge creature that was sort of like, almost like Slimer, you can imagine, um, <laughs> would climb up onto their chest and attack them in the form of a nightmare. And so it would lay on your chest. It would make you feel like you couldn't move. It would make you feel like all of your air was being pressed out of you. And the right. only way to ward off the the batibot was to either bite your thumb or one of your fingers or wiggle your toes until you woke <gasps> oh, up. Okay. And when you woke up, then you scared her away. So what we know today is that when your body gets into sleep paralysis stage, which is where your your brain gets confused about you being in REM sleep and it shuts down the muscle interactions of your body, uh, but you're still awake to feel all of those things, trying to wiggle your toes or trying to do very small movements that then tell your brain, nah, bruh, I'm still awake. Please stop this. That right. is what breaks you out of it. So that like, oh, I love that it goes all the way back into folklore. Um, and then last but not least on my end of things, I would like uh, Tori is going to read. Uh, there was a German prayer and then I'll give the, the translation in English afterward that uh, people started using to ward away bad dreams. Hier leg ich mich schlafen, keine Nacht mehr soll mich plagen, bis sie schwemmen alle Wasser, die auf Erden fließen und tellet alle Sterne, die am Firmament erscheinen. Dazu helf mir Gott, Vater, Sohn und Heiliger Geist. Amen. Ah, here I am, lying down to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me. Until they have swum through all the waters that flow upon the earth and counted all stars that appear in the skies. Thus help me, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a very, like, it's a very serene prayer. It is. I like it. Okay, so do we want to go ahead and get into the delicious meat of our podcast, The Dream Interpretation. All right. Tori, why don't you go ahead and read the dream that comes from listener Marcus. So Marcus writes, 
Hey, you guys. I'm loving the show so far, and as soon as I woke up from having the stream, I knew I had to email it in. It was just too weird and wonderful, and it'd be criminal not to tell you. <laughs> so the scene is a Mars space station. Neon lights, solar panels, huge rooms and corridors. The works for a postmodern-themed space colony. So clearly I was there, because clearly I, an 18-year-old, have the qualifications to go to space. <laughs> So this stream had to have gone on for way over an hour, but I can only remember a very small part of it. Before the very small part, all I remember is action movie-like shots of lights flashing and also a little kitten in a weird fishbowl thing with movable legs. <laughs> the cat loved everyone except me, and I was offended. There was also a lunch where I was dubbed the most annoying person on Mars. <laughs> Needless to say, I was honored to have this title. Anyway, the part of the dream I recall isn't very long, but very lucid. So I was the intern of the team, grouped up with maybe five professionals. One instructor, who was kind of hot to be fair, and another intern – all kitted out in spacesuits and whatnot. Somehow the professionals didn't anticipate the sun setting. How? And when it did, all power went out for us too. We could barely see where we were going since the lights went out and the oxygen capsules only had a few minutes of air left. <gasps> for some reason, the instructor was super calm and led us to a place just below the space colony. Come here, let me show you something interesting, the instructor said before opening the door. I'm sorry, is this going to get creepy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is erotic. Let's see. This place had moderate power. The lights were dim, but not dim enough to make it hard to see. The room was pressurized, and when I took off my mask, it smelled of dust and something kind of bad, like on-the-turn food. I overstepped and stood on a towel near the door as I entered. It squelched. Oh, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst part of the dream for me. That's it. I don't care what happens after. Uh, looking around, I saw graying walls, white paint peeling off, and something that I had assumed was rust in my dream, but could have absolutely also been blood. This was the infirmary, he explained, almost grief-stricken. Firstly, was. Oh, my God. Secondly, I definitely stepped on a dead body. <laughs> Way to bury the lead, Marcus. <laughs> We kept on walking like nothing had happened and as if my skin wasn't crawling. Good. The next room was better lit and had paint that hadn't cracked as much. I overstepped a little in this one too, stepping on another towel, but not on the kind of ob not not on the kind of obvious dead person under it. This was the lab, he explained again, in the same ominous past tense and grieving voice. At this point I'd had enough. I was gonna bail. Hey dudes, I'm gonna stop watching this movie if that's cool with you. I asked them. They were fine with it. I hugged the other intern goodbye and fist bumped the instructor. I closed my eyes, but when I opened them, I was still there. Frustrated, I sat down the hall and meditated for a moment. I opened my eyes to see a bedroom that looked kind of familiar, but it wasn't my bedroom. Shortly after, I woke up in my dream. I woke up in real life. A disclaimer. I mentioned that I knew this was a movie-like experience later on for the cool plot twist. <laughs> Gotta keep you all on your toes after all. Uh, I look forward to hearing how you interpret this. It was such a weird dream, but I felt calm and collected throughout okay. the entirety, like I was in complete control and could leave whenever. So I'm really curious about what it might mean. Anyways, ciao. Wow. <sighs> this, there's a lot that happened in this dream, dear Marcus. Um, there is. It's all amazing, though. Not one bit of it I don't love except for Squelch. Yeah, Squelch was bad. <laughs> and the part where we thought it might turn into a weird romance. and then I was kind of into it. Still thought it might turn into a weird romance. I look, I wasn't not into it. Okay. I just was. I was just a little, you know, on the edge of my seat, and I, I that makes me uncomfortable gotcha. sometimes. So let's talk about. 
I know that he like wants, or I know that they really want us to talk about all of the main part of the dream, but the kitten in the weird fishbowl with movable legs. I know. Legs. I can't stop thinking about it. <sighs> There's got to be some. Okay. So, hmm. Firstly, I think, you know, you, you talk about how you as an 18 year old uh, going to space, it, it, that felt sort of. I mean, you, you point out that that's a strange thing because you shouldn't be qualified to be there. Right. But as you're in this dream, you continue to be competent in all these very difficult situations. Absolutely, yeah. And you said at the end that you feel calm and collected throughout the entirety. I can see this as sort of uh, uh, your subconscious's way of almost like running you through what is essentially a... Uh, an obstacle course of challenges and you sort of passed with flying colors. I mean, not many people can like see this dead body or whatever, squelching, squelching dead bodies (laughs) and then come away with the, Hey dudes, like so chill, so chill about everything. And I think that, yeah, this, this, this ends up being like a mixture of a message about competence and maybe underestimating yourself, and you shouldn't. And yeah. then also the fact that, uh, again, like you seem to be prepared for the challenges ahead. You know, that's actually exactly what I got from it, too. It's funny because he mentions I, as an 18-year-old, you know, I totally have the qualifications to go to space. Um, but the thing is, is... First of all, just being self-aware enough to know that you at 18 don't know all you could possibly know about everything is actually – I feel like you're really on the right track for yes. a lot of reasons, but that one definitely. Um, and I agree that it was sort of like perhaps a reassurance type of dream that, to, to let you know that uh, maybe you're more capable than you think you are if you're experiencing something or facing something that – Perhaps you feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I'm confident enough to accomplish this task that I really want to accomplish or whatever. This kind of seems like it's your subconscious being like, Marcus, listen, uh, you're good. Like, you're doing really well right now. And obviously, like, lots of people think that REM sleep is a sort of processing of your daytime info. So it would sort of uh, make sense that if you're struggling with a problem in your waking life that you feel like, oh, I don't know if I can really handle this myself. Your brain sort of took that and morphed it into this impossible space-time scenario that you really, like Micah said, played your way through it with flying colors, being so self-assured in the end that you said what you were going to do, stated it really plainly. Um, He put it in later that that might be a trick. I don't know. Either way, you knew what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, you very confidently walked out and you tried it once and it didn't work. You tried to wake up once and it didn't work. But then you were just like, it's cool. I'm just going to take a moment, take a quiet moment, meditate, try it again. And then it started your waking up process. And I yeah. think that that is, again, just a testament to how you are. You're good. You're doing well. You know, you have all of the sort of tools that you need to accomplish whatever you're hoping to accomplish in waking life. Uh, Either that or your brain has erased a traumatic memory where your cat ate your fish when you were a kid. Um, And, you know, this is your subconscious sort of trying to help you confront that. And if you think about it, (laughs) 
Oh, God. What what is what does a kitten with wet paws sound like when it runs across the carpet? Squelch, 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 squelch. Squelching on dead bodies. That's what I think every time one of my cats runs across something. Squelching on dead bodies. Squelching on dead bodies. First thought. <laughs> First thought. Best thought. Clearly. Uh, yeah, and or I, whenever you said past life, I was like, oh god, is this some sort of ancient alien scenario where he suppressed <sighs> his past life as like an extraterrestrial explorer? Holy and mother! Obviously, the most competent extraterrestrial explorer that ducked out when things got too. Cr- he was like, no, no, no. Most I'm good. competent and eternal because it's, it's, yes. you, you have this eighteen-year-old body that you keep. I demand now, anytime you introduce yourself to someone, Marcus, you say, hello, I'm Marcus, most competent and eternal. If you, <laughs> you could do oh that. Oh, my God. It's perfect. <laughs> if that's the only thing you take away from this uh, interpretation, let it be that, please. Yes. this That that voice there, that wasn't Tori talking. That was your subconscious talking. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Yes. Do it. And thank you so much for sending in your dream. It was so much fun. I loved this one. <laughs> I know. I've heard so many twists and turns. It felt like <laughs> I was in a movie myself. It was great. It was wonderful. All right. You got another one for us? Yes. This is a dream from listener Brian, and awesome. it is audio. So here we go. I was in some like small suburban house with a few friends, and a man in a wizard hat and robe was running around explaining his new line of smart home connected devices. I can't remember all of them, but the two that stand out in my mind were a line of smart sewing machines that you could just like feed a piece of fabric into and it would know where you had to sew. And the other one was a connected trash can where... (laughs) There were two compartments and you could throw in trash or recycling and it would compress them down and then you could toss away like a little cube instead of your regular trash. But this guy was in a wizard hat and robe. He reminded me of uh, Halliday from Ready Player One. It was very, very bizarre and I really enjoyed the fact that I had a real dream about smart home devices. I'm loving this day. Okay, well, first of all, I want to go ahead and say, um, trademark those right away. I think that this is um, Odin's poetic gift to you. Uh, Brian, (laughs) you have been given the gift of inspiration. (laughs) In the form of smart garbage cans, but seriously. Honestly, okay, people would buy it. I don't care how much it is. Somebody The smart sewing machine, I won it it yesterday. I want to be able to feed it a piece of cloth and out pops the perfect Halloween costume for my chihuahua. This wizard is the personification of your creativity. It is the creative you, Brian. It is showing you what you're capable of in one very particular way. You know, maybe maybe with smart home stuff, it might be that this is sort of a newer field for you. Maybe it's something that you've thought about getting into or you know oh, a little yeah. bit about it. You want to know more, what have you. It's still sort of like an out there thing. And so you see this creative personification of yourself, this wizard being able to create these things and share them with you and with your friends. And I really see this as like, it's not it's not so much the specific uh, devices that are shown off in the dream, but just the fact that like, these 
really helpful tools are some are something that you know you could do yourself if you tap into that creative side of you. I love that. Yeah, I definitely think uh Wizard Brian was trying to tell you as regular Brian. Um Magic Brian. What sort of things your brain is capable of? Like like Micah said, if you are somebody who I mean like me who looks at smart home technology and is like pretty lights. I don't really, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, then perhaps this is just showing you like, n- no worries, young regular Brian, your competency will soon far surpass what is available in smart home tech and will actually start creating its own smart home tech and you'll be the next millionaire wizard sometime in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that we've got uh this 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 one seemed pretty clear to me in terms of of the message there. I'm I'm trying to think if there's sort of anything else because you know, we started with him uh walking into this place where his his friends were there and then you know is there some symbology potentially with sewing machines with trash cans these particular products uh because yeah. like creation and destruction oh i'm loving this okay yeah so i don't know where to go with this terms, so you take it <laughs> let's see let's see okay i think that also uh ooh, okay so it's coming to me it's coming to me yes okay so maybe Your friends being there is really important, I think, because maybe you are often uh, too quick to sort of throw out your ideas Mm. instead of creating something to share with your friends. Maybe there's something that you have been wanting to get some feedback on or collaborate on maybe um, that you are a little bit too scared to share with the world because you feel like, oh, you know, this isn't good enough or, you know, whatever. And maybe this is sort of encouraging you, like, don't throw those ideas away too quickly. Maybe create something that you can share and be a little bit less afraid of doing something like that. Be whimsical wizard, Brian, who shares oh these aspects of yourself. Yes. The unhinged, but in a good way. Like this is, this is something to aspire to this, uh, more laissez-faire, Brian, if you will. Wizards are the best types of anything. If you could be wizard, Brian, I think that's, you should absolutely try and do that. Magic Brian will appear and say, I am so proud of you. <laughs> I was trying not to say it. I don't want to step on any toes here. But too yes, bad. Absolutely. Too bad. It's done. You beat me to it. Okay, great. Toes have been stepped. The McElroys will just have to deal. Uh, let's <laughs> Call go. out McElroys. Let's God. do this podcast oh. off. <laughs> no, please don't. You're going to stomp us into the dirt. <laughs> don't be mad. I use your voice. I am so <laughs> Should proud I roll of for you. initiative? <laughs> All right. Uh, Lastly, we have a dream here from Listener Way. I will go ahead and read this one. Dream. So I start backstage at my school's MPH. That's the multi-purpose hall. Then I go up onto the stage to see members of the media club announcing a collaboration between Drama Club and a sponsor. Background info. I am the secretary and treasurer of the Drama Club at my school, and we are very low on budget. So having a sponsor would be amazing rest of the dream. So one of those media club members passed me a handheld microphone. After they have announced some stuff about the event, I started to talk about the collaboration between my club and the external sponsor. I was stammering and extremely nervous. When I finished, I woke up. Love your show. Your listener, listener way. Okay, so if we sort of continue, maybe the, this theme of uh, 
your dream spirits bringing you messages of confidence from the gods or the universe or whatever you personally believe uh, to exist. Maybe this could, again, be a dream of like, hey, so you're very low on budget. Having a sponsor would be really, really cool. Maybe this is one of those sort of inspiration muse type dreams where it's sort of encouraging you like maybe you could come up with a really cool plan that would help out your drama club and uh, some sort of creative idea that nobody's uh, come up with yet to, to connect your drama club with a sponsor of some kind. Like on a very surface level, I, I mean, it, it seems very directly related to things that are actually happening in your waking life. So maybe this is just one of those that's really straightforward and it's sort of like – hey, maybe get a little bit creative with it. Look at theater from a different perspective. How could theater connect to other perhaps uh, places of business that you maybe wouldn't consider would be connected with theater? How could you pitch something like this to something somebody related to that? I don't know. So maybe this could just be one of those things being like, hey, I know you're a little bit nervous, but maybe you should go for it. Maybe you should take matters into your own hands and uh, be the hero that the drama club needs. Yeah. Um, I, I also saw this as, as pretty straightforward. I mean, w you know, if, if you know that you're, you're low on a budget and this is something you've been thinking about, then it's going to be something that is likely going to crop up in your dreams. The fact that it's so straightforward is actually kind yeah. of a miracle. I think um, so too. it's nice that that's happened. And yeah, I do think that this, you know, when we think about performers, when we think about people who are leaders, they're the ones on stage who have the microphone. Yes. Yeah. So this this makes sense that, you know, you've got it. You are you've been past the baton, so to speak, and you are here uh, to to sort of take charge and being stam, you know, stammering and being extremely nervous. Maybe this is your your subconscious's way of saying, hey, I know that you feel very nervous about this. I know that you think you might have had some stops and starts so far. Maybe different things that you've tried in the past have not uh, worked out. But you know that this did work out because it was started with you realizing that there was a collaboration being announced. Yes. So it's almost like if you take the time to I, I hate this, but I think it works because I don't I don't necessarily believe in the whole uh, in your mind's eye believe that something <laughs> is real and then it's what's it self actualization I don't make a vision board yeah I don't necessarily believe in self actualization but I think that it applies here if you just think I'm gonna make this happen and then you work to make it happen then it's gonna happen no matter how many times you have this stammering or this you know this nervous start. Definitely. That's magic, baby. That's the whole thing where it's sort of like uh, it's all about affecting the world around you, right? Yeah. So if you feel like uh, this is something that you need, it's something that you've seen, a, uh, you, it's something that's necessary and it's something that maybe it's you're capable of, uh, whether or not you've tried it before, maybe this is just your encouragement to be like, hey, it's cool to try it again and it's okay to be nervous and all that other stuff, but you are still successful and that's what's important. So uh yeah, just keep being your ingenious self and uh, keep trying at this. And maybe you'll be the one to sort of save your drama club. There you go. That's magic, baby. Mm. <laughs> 
if you would like to get in touch with us online, uh, you can send your dreams to dreams at lucid.show, whether those be in audio form or in text form. You can also go to lucid.show, click on dreams at the top. There's a form there where you can fill out your dream, a couple of questions, fill in the blanks. You can also follow us on Twitter at lucid underscore podcast, send us a direct message, tweet at us, whatever you want to do. All of those ways are ways to get in touch, get your dreams to us. Uh, Tori, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at TSFolk. That's T-S-F-O-U-L-K. And where might one find you, Micah? Uh, I am on all the social things at Micah Sargent, M-I-K-A-H-S-A-R-G-E-N-T. I think that just about wraps things up for this episode of Lucid. What do you think, Tori? Uh, I think so. I think uh, before I go, though, I know that maybe a lot of our listeners like to drift off to Big Dream City right after they listen to our very relaxing, soothing, not annoying at all voices. <laughs> um, and so I sort of wanted to end this episode with a part, an English translation of uh, an Icelandic lullaby that I came across while researching mythology. So, sleep, my little love. Outside, the rain is crying. Mother hides your treasures, old leg bone and box of playthings. We shall not stay awake when night is dark. why don't you go ahead and uh, read for us the dream that comes I'm just going to go ahead and burp in the middle of fucking talking because that's how my body decided to make itself heard I guess that's great I'm glad we don't do this show live maybe you've got a mare in you it would be really funny if we did I feel like it might be hilarious did you just say I have a a mare in me that's not okay I I think I have some sage somewhere (laughs) read the prayer Burn some sage.